0: Okay, good evening, everyone. Tonight's class is titled, My Soul is on Fire. I'd like to start with a sad story, but a powerful story, a powerful of the Jewish perseverance, a powerful of what we call mesiras Nefesh. And I was thinking for a while, what would be a real story to share about this energy of mesiras Nefesh, this energy to give up our soul that we all have. And then I remembered this story. In this gravesite is buried, or the ashes of a person are buried, the person named Avraham Ben Avraham. Who's Avram Ben Avram. Avram ben Avram is called the Gert Sedek, the righteous convert of Vilna. Anyone ever heard the story of the Gert Sedek of Vilna? No. It's quite quite a story. Allow me to share it. Here we are. So this takes us back to the year 5509. So now we're in the year five. 5777. So it's approximately 200 and so 1750, there you go. In the year 1750, yes. This story takes us back to Count Patuki. Patucki. Pat- and uh, David will correct me for any, for any of the issues. Pronounced Potocki? Potoski. Potocki Yeah. Count Potocki was one of the richest and most powerful in Poland. Um, I'm just going to kind of skip ahead. They were ca- uh, Catholics and devoted supporters of the, of the Jesuit order and all church activities. And they raised their only son, Valentin, in the same spirit. And they wanted him to become a priest.
1: At that time, Poland was in control of the Ukraine and had a sizable Jewish population, which eventually moved, unfortunately, to Russia.
0: When Valentin reached the age of 16, the Count enrolled him in the Catholic Academy of Vilna. Over there, he met another student named Zrodny. Did I say right? Zrodny. 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 Excuse my pronunciation. It's okay. Uh, the the Zeradni was a very simple man, so here you have a Lenten who's coming from a rich household. Zeradni is coming from a, a very humble household. Um, they became very good friends. At the same time, one time, the Lenten saw a fight happen. And uh, he went ahead to stop the fight. Afterwards, he went over to the victims and he said, what happened? And they replied, nothing. They, be, they wanted to beat us up because we are Jews. That was his encounter with the Jews. He heard much about the Jewish people. He um, had also learned about them from the Bible because, of course, studying for the priesthood meant studying the five books of Moses, uh, the books of the prophets, and holy writings, the so-called Old Testament, as the Church refers to it. In it, he learned about the origin and history of the Jewish people from the days of the Patriarchs to the Babylonian Exile. He was a serious, deep-thinking student and spent much time reflecting. (laughs) One of the basic things he was taught was that the Jewish people were forsaken by God because they refused to accept the Christian Messiah and Christian faith. This explanation seemed rather strange to him since the Bible itself declared very clearly what would happen should the Jews stray from the Torah. You know, there's two sections in the Torah where we're we, discourses for people that will for the Jewish people if we stray from the Torah. Yet, if they remain loyal to their faith and refuse to accept another faith, um, it should make them all the more beloved to God rather than rejected by God as the church claimed. Besides, he distinctly learned in the Bible that God assured the Jewish people He would never break His covenant with His people, and God is not a man to break His word. If the Bible were true as He was certain was, and as claimed also by His teachers. Then all they taught him about the Jews could not be true. So these questions are, are challenging Valentin, the child of this count, and he shares it with Zrodni, his friend. They have, com- they have a lot of conversations. Finally, they meet a Jew in the park. And the Jewish people knew that you don't talk to strangers. Talking to strangers about religion will never do good. So... He goes over to a Jew, and the first thing the Jew says is, Don't, you're not going to convince me to give up my religion. And I'm not even going to attempt you to change yours. So, Valentin responds, he says, no, 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 I'm not here to challenge you. I just want to clear up some questions on my mind. I'm sorry, I, have, I can't help you, and he walks away. They were very, it was a very scary thing for a Jew to have a debate. About religion at that time. Anyways, he runs after him, Valentin, and he says, Look, I'm Valentin Potocki, Potocki, Patut, and I mean no harm. I just have to talk to someone. Well, the Jew sees he's not going to get away, and he says, You know what? Go to the rabbi, Rabbi Menachem man, a very, a very learned man, um, and discuss it with him. But he warns, Don't be very careful. Should anyone know you're going to talk to the rabbi? Big trouble for you, big trouble for us. The next evening, Valentin comes to the rabbi's house. Immediately, the rabbi again is not interested in talking to him. Um, however, his persistence and sincerity, the rabbi responded and slowly um, he asked a few questions. <laughs> At some point, the rabbi says, We need to end. He came back for four, five, six um, discussions. And finally, he tells the rabbi he wants to become a Jew. The rabbi tells him, Not a good idea. First of all, we know non-Jews have a good place in this world if you're worried about the negativity that non-Jews have the bad that non-Jews have done make up for it as a non-Jew no need to um, and finally he says finally he finishes off that there's also the danger that you're going to bring on yourself should anyone find that you've converted and on all all the Jewish people and he responds Valentin says I feel it in my soul that I will not rest until I become a Jew and live as a Jew to my last breath Okay, the rabbi hears this and he tells Valentin, you need to go to Amsterdam in Holland where Jews lived in greater freedom and over there, talk to the rabbi and become a a Jew. Um, Valentin says, how will I be assured they're gonna convert me? He says, nothing's gonna assure you, but I'll write you a letter of recommendation and if you appear to the rabbi there as you appear to me today, I'm sure he's he's gonna convert you. The young count kisses the rabbi's hand and leaves. He shares now, and this was a very dangerous party, he shares with his friend, Valentin shares with his friend Rani, that he's planning to go and convert. So Rani hears this, and he says, I want to join you. And together, they make a plan. How are they going to make this happen? How are they going to r- run away from their house? Well, um, Valentin begs his parents to go to Paris, Berlin and Rome to study and to see the world, and they're actually quite happy, they want him to go to Rome, to the Vatican, and meet all the cardinals there, see what's going on. Well, they say, we're scared for you to go on your own, we want to come with you, which is the last thing Valentin wants, but Valentin says he has an idea, Zerudny probably would be willing to come with me, he says, if he'll sponsor him, and he's going to take care of me well. And the parents know Zerudny, they know him to be a serious guy, and that's what happens. They go to Rome They spend a lot of time in the Vatican Talking to people Talking to the cardinals um, And finally They're ready to move on At that point Zerudny was engaged To a non-Jewish girl And he says You know what He says we're engaged I have to keep my word to her I I can't just run away from her And he says I'm going to head back To Vilna And I'm going to go Get married and should it be that I want to convert at a later time, so be it. But at this point, I'm going to go back. Valentin says, hey, I support you. Any decision, he writes a note to his parents that he wants Rani to give his parents, and they part ways. Um, okay, so like like I said, Rani returns home. Um... And in the meantime, Valentin arrives in Paris, he, Valentin arrives in Amsterdam, he gives the rabbi his letter, the rabbi had already heard about this count, about this Valentin that's going to come to him, and he welcomed him, Uh, but he gave him a very hard time, like all rabbis do, and after he finally, after Valentin convinced the rabbi he really wants to convert, the rabbi allowed that to happen. At that point he changed his name He wanted to be called Avram Just like the first Jew And we know a convert is called Ben Avram So Avram, Ben Avram Nobody knew who he was Aside for the rabbi For everyone else it was a secret Well it's now a while And Z- Valentin's parents are quite nervous about him um, And the last thing on their mind Is that their child has now become a Jew Meanwhile Zradney He gets married He has a child He's living the life But after a few years of marriage he realizes that he really wants to convert. That's his wish, that's his desire, and that's what he's gonna do. And he again also comes up with a plan. He tells his wife he's very depressed and he wants to move to the he wants to move with his wife away, to be precise. Um, What's that city? It's good I have my teacher here. Königsberg. Where is that? King City. It's in
1: East Prussia, which is now Kaliningrad. Uh, it was the seat of the uh, Teutonic Knights and of the um, uh, Prussian, uh, Prussian nation, so to speak.
0: So he goes to Königsberg. That was prepared. Hmm? I said that was prepared. What was? I, I, I prepared you to give an update on the city. He said it so fluently. I was very impressed. Very good
1: job. That's because when it comes to things like that, I have a surfeit of bullshit.
0: So, he goes ahead and he moves to the, to the to southern town and finally at one point he tells his wife, he says, that's it, I want to go convert. I want to become a Jew. He, and he knew again that he's taking a chance. His wife could easily go mad and uh, get him in big trouble.
1: He could get away with it in Konigsberg because Konigsberg was Lutheran. And, in the, and the Catholic Church did not extend its control. Otherwise, he could have been subjected to the Inquisition. Is it in
0: 1750? hmm The Inquisition was active in 1750? Absolutely. In
2: Spain, it was, yeah,
0: 1834
1: or something. Okay. So... Rather humorously referred to as the Holy
0: Office. Zaremba, now he gives... Sorry, Zaremba, he now tells his wife the following. He says, I'm going to be leaving. And... She asks permission to think about it overnight before he divorces her, basically, to give... <laughs> not just blow it on... Blow it on... To throw it on her. The next night, she, she tells him that... The next morning, she says, I remember you telling me the story of Ruth... And the story of Ruth, I'm going to give you the same answer. Ruth gave, entreat me not to leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God, and only death will part us. Very nice. Very very beautiful story. Zerudny was ready for this answer, and he, he gave her quite a, quite a story. He says like this. He says, very, very nice, but I want to tell you a few things. First of all, in Judaism, you're not allowed to convert for marriage. So if you're, if you're going to convert with me to marry... That's a problem. Second of all, you don't know anything about Judaism. I- I've at least learned a little bit. You have zero clue. You're already, con- you're already um, guaranteeing you're going to convert. Third of all, even if you want to convert, they may not allow you. And finally, he says, even if you convert, I don't know if I'm going to marry you. because I, I probably want to marry someone that's already a Jew. Because both of us were starting from scratch. Better will be if I marry a Jew who already knows a lot. I'll be in a better position. And finally, he says, if the three of us disappear, you, I and the baby, we're going to be in heavy trouble at that point. Okay, finally, so his wife says the following. This is the plan. She says, Zradni, you disappear. In one year, if I really want to still become a Jew, I'm going to run after you to Amsterdam. Okay. He says okay, but uh, look, we don't don't think if you come in a year we're going to get married. Okay, so goes to Amsterdam, he introduces himself. He says, "You know Avram ben Avram, he says, you know the count Count Potocki's child um, Valentin, I'm his friend. We're connected. He was a good guy and I'm a good guy. Trust me, let me let me become Jew. Let me become a Jew." They tell him, "I'll tell you the truth. A few days ago, Valentin, Valentin, now called Avram Ben Avram, left here, but we know him very well, and we trust your sincerity. We're going to convert you. He converts, and a year later, he calls himself Baruch Ben Avram. So now we're going to use their Jewish names. We have Avram Ben Avram and Baruch Ben Avram. A year later, who shows up? His wife. She barely recognizes her husband with his full-grown beard. Dressed in uh, Jewish garb. He had lost a great deal of weight and looked pale. But there was serenity and saintliness in his eyes that she had never before seen. They had a heart-to-heart talk during which he told them that the whole year she had been waiting to become a Jew. And she says, I've been waiting to remarry you. Well, he tells her, do you remember our our discussion before I left? I'm not going to go over it again, but I have no intention of marrying you. Even if you become a Jew. I have nothing to offer you my soul thirsts for Torah I have so much to make up take my advice go back home I have an easy and comfortable life She rises takes her son and very sadly says keep well Take care of the boy he says and uh, she leaves Several months several weeks later in walks a woman and a Jewish and a boy um, and he looks at her and the woman says hi my name is Rachel Bas Sarah. And this is Avram. I thought you had gone back to your parents, he says. She says, You should know better than me. I just wanted you to know that I'll take care of your son. And I wanted to come. Now, before I leave, I wanted to tell you that I'm going to take care of your son and make him grow up as a Jew. So we now have Avram and Avram. His wife is Ruffel, and their child is Avram. Avram senior, Avram junior. There's an awkward pause in the base Medrash as Baruch considers the situation and he turns to Rachel and he says, Rachel, will you be my wife? Rachel's eyes well up as she hugs her son and eagerly nods her consent and the base that had converted both of them now marries them off. So they're remarried.
2: I'm sorry, I missed... Who did they, who did they marry?
0: So Valentin now... They married each other. They, they married each other. After <laughs> Rachel... So, they remarried. The, the remarried. two of them, yeah. the count's friend, yeah. had married a non-Jewish. They were both yeah. non-Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. He converted, and a year later she converted, and they remarried now as Jews. And there were two Avram and
2: oh, Avrams. the original wife.
0: Yes. Oh, after he oh. so, after she had converted, and he sees that this is real, oh. they, they remarried.
1: Okay. How can the little boy have a name like that?
0: What's the problem?
1: He's named after his father. Who's still alive. Who's still alive,
0: as far as we know. I'll ask you a question. When someone converts, are they related halakhically to their parents?
1: That's what I'm asking you.
0: The answer is no. Thank you. Now I know. (laughs) The answer is no. Um, But anyways, on a side note, on, on a side note, it wouldn't be such an issue. But just, just to mention, when people convert, they become a new person. Yeah. Actually, I believe it says, I, I haven't looked it up before class, but I'm just going to share off the top. I believe the Allah is that a boy and girl that convert, theoretically could marry. A, a, sis, a brother and sister that convert, according to the letter of the law, may be able to marry because they're not brother and sister anyway, Halakha says they shouldn't marry but just to stress the point I've shared okay let's continue the story over there we conclude the story of Zradni. that's the story of Valentin's friend of, we conclude now the story of Baruch ben Avram he's married happily ever after to Rachel Basara and they, with their son Avram ben Avram let's now go back to um, Avram ben Avram He's left Amsterdam, he goes from city to city. He's just thirsting for Torah in every place. He sits there, he listens. And finally, he decides he's going to go back to Vilna. And I want to read this to you. This is... Was it thought, thoughtlessness of him to return to his native country? Did it not occur to him? He might be recognized and seized by the authorities? We'll never know. Most likely, he was fully aware of such a possibility yet not only had he no fear in his heart of the great danger to his life, but apparently welcomed it. Like Rabbi Akiva, who upon reading the daily Shema, longed for the opportunity to carry out, to give over his life in actuality, so the Geert Tzedek of Vilna was filled with an all-consuming love for God. One day, and I want to tell you, this is the saddest part. The saddest part, and it's actually, it's, it's, tragic to read this the saddest stories of Jew, uh, within Jewish history have happened from other Jews the saddest many of, most of the saddest and tragic stories in our history happened when one Jew went against the other this is what happens here very, it's a very sad story the Gerich Tzedek is in Vilna in a shul nobody knows who he is Several children burst in playfully and began running around. The Geret Sadek turns to them and he says, You're in a holy place. We're calling now Avram ben Avram the Geret Sadek, the righteous convert. And he asks them to play outside. The boys meekly and shamefacedly walked out, aside for the eldest, who was evidently the leader. He stayed on and defiantly continued to jump up and down on the benches until the Geret grabbed hold of him and let him out, shut the door. The boy, boy runs home and tells his father that strange, strange man who sits all day in shul him me and threw me out of the base medrash. The boy's father was named Chaim Yashkiz. He was an unlearned and crude individual at Taylor. Um, over here they just describe who he was but we'll just jump ahead a little bit. Well, Chaim Yashkiz was basically it's explaining how people didn't have so much respect for him. He wasn't and he decided he's gonna kind of get even with everyone. And he suspected that this mysterious man was the person which all the search signs around were up for. Remember, every the account was missing his son, and it was talk of town. So all he had to do, he wanted to get this person who had thrown his child, who had hid his child to get him back, all he had to do was inform the authorities of the discovery he does this he just tells the authorities he's found the count's son and the gertsedic is immediately arrested he's brought to Vilna and a court of high ranking church officials begin an inquiry immediately they say are you the count's son? what does he tell them? he says yes he says he became a Jew out of sincere conviction. Um, now the church officials knew that should anyone find out, it's going to be tight. It's going to be a disgrace. So they try to convince him to become a Jew. He he looks them in the eye and says nothing is going to make me change my religion. Um, he says I'm ready to give him my life as a Jew. They try to debate with him. He out he out he um, out does them in a debate and. If they try and talk to him without calling him Avram ben Avram, he refuses to answer. He says, my name is Avram ben Avram, I will answer to that name only. Nothing they could do, they start torturing him. He welcomes the pain and torture, he says, it's purifying his body and soul. Okay, finally, until that time, the church officials hadn't told the count. Now they go and say, look, we believe this is your child, and either you, you convince him out of being a Jew, or we're going to have to kill him. The parents come. Um, They try and convince him out of it, which doesn't happen. And finally, they finally it's time to, that the court says, we need to kill him, we need to burn him. Um, They do whatever they can. The the parents now try and get out of it, but the king gets involved at this point and they they realize they, they have no option, they must let go, release their son back to the church they let him back um, and they set the day of the execution for the second day of Shavuot, 1749 the Jewish people of Vilna Seif worrying about the tragic death that's going to murder that's going to happen so they also were very worried for themselves because they knew unfortunately after such happenings oftentimes the the pogroms would start so it was on Shavuot. They all stayed home, and unfortunately, um, they're getting ready. The city's getting ready. It's all exciting. Such a they, somehow they thought it was the funnest thing. Everyone came to see. Met Most of the non-Jewish population of Vilna, peasants, they all want. They all wanted to come to witness the execution. They were eager to have a part in it, a hand in it, and they all brought wood. Um, Well they're at the, they're about to burn him and they turn to him asking him to denounce the Jewish religion and Avram Ben Avram he turns to them and I just want to share his parting words he denounces the blindness and hatred of his tormentors who claim to act in the name of a merciful religion he warns that he says God will surely avenge his innocent blood as he has avenged the blood of the Jewish people and then he turns to the church dignitaries and says, What kind of religion do you preach that demands human sacrifices? What kind of truth do you possess that has, been, that, has been, that has to be defended by fire and sword? You have power only my mortal body, which is going to die sooner or later. You can never harm my immortal soul. And I will continue to proclaim forever, Hashem Echot. That point... The churchmen were had heard enough, and they, they, they lit the fire, and he died.
3: This is his final
0: word. Um, the, the church was really upset about this, and they actually made an order that you're not even allowed to gary, gather the the ashes of the great of Avram and Avram to be buried. Um, there was a Jew, Eliezer Zinkis, who pretended he was a non-Jew and said, came to the guards over there and said he's the child. Said sorry. He is the. He's been sent by the old countess, this man's mother, to collect the ashes. He gave the man a substantial amount, and they buried his ashes together with. Uh, it's actually buried in the same place as the Vilna Gone. It was about the same time. As the who? The Vilna Gone. Oh, all right. So why do I share this story? It's a quite a tragic story. It's actually a very tragic story. And like I said, the worst part about it is always how, unfortunately, one Jew, is, one Jew informs on the other. You know, We know the destruction of the Second Temple happened, if you're familiar with the story, because one Jew was upset at another because of a wedding and he went and informed. This is, this is the, the history that we have. But I share this story because where did this Avram and Avram get the power? To look them in the eye and say, "I am a Jew." He had no reason, by the way. He needed to, to admit to them he was Count Potocki, Potutsky, Potocki's son. They would have happily let him go, had he said he wasn't. They were actually looking for excuses not to make a fool of themselves. They, they embarrassed themselves having the count's child saying that he converted. They would look, and yet he looked them in the eyes. He said, "I am a Jew." Right? Daniel Pearl was murdered. Said, "I am a Jew." What did he say? Born a Jew and born a Jew. My, my mother's a Jew No, no.
3: that's what's interesting he didn't about say my about it? It? no my the
1: goyish Muslims they didn't know any better and they made him say that he was that he was uh, his father was a Jew really they didn't even know that was the irony of it. And
0: yet so where does this conviction where does this power and the power of Messiiras Nefesh come from? Let, let, let's now go to Tanya. So in Chapter 18 of Tanya, we learned where does the power of Masirah Nefesh come from? Where, how do we have such power to be able to stand strong? You know, last week we were talking about the Inquisition. And we were talking about how, how you know, one of the three things you should give up your life for is to not serve, to not bow down to idols. And we were talking about the Inquisition And the challenges You know people had It's either die or serve idols We understand those that served idols We understand the Muranos How, how, how do Jews how, how do we have the inner power The inner conviction To say Hashem Echad And unfortunately if necessary Diet the sword Diet whatever method Diet of fire We learned in chapter 18 It comes From Chachma It comes from the highest part of our psyche, the highest part of the tenth sephira, and within the high, within Chachma, which we said has no definition, Hashem who has no definition is is within it. It comes from Hashem. Chapter nineteen. We're gonna let's talk a little bit more uh, more about the Pintele Yid. Let's talk about this essence we have, and that's why tonight's class was titled "My Soul Is On Fire," mm-hmm. because the truth is that. This power of Masiras Nethers comes from the fire that's within us. And let's talk about this fire for a moment. Fire has two amazing components to it. Number one, fire constantly wants to leave. Fire constantly wants to go, go higher. It's fighting to go higher. If you don't have enough substance down here, it's going to go higher. Water wants to remain down here. Fire wants to go above we learn, this, why does fire want to go above? The source of fire is under the moon. David, don't scream at me. The source of fire is under the moon. <gasps> have you looked at, have you seen pictures of the moon from, from uh, tele, what do we call them? From satellites? We, we have today, we have satellite pictures. Mm-hmm. And has anyone ever seen a little area of fire around the moon? The scientists haven't caught it yet. By the way, this is not me saying it's not Rabbi Shneri Zamanavliyadi saying it. The Rambam already tells us that the source of fire is under the moon. What does that mean? I think he's referring to
1: the light halo that comes through the atmosphere as opposed to actual fire.
3: I thought it's a reflection of the sun.
0: This... The, the reflection, the the moon is yes, yes. The moon receives from the sun, but that would then the source of fire should be the sun, right. and yet we learn that the source of fire is under the moon. Let's see it inside, and then we'll uh, then we'll be able to discuss what it means. Sorry, what were you saying? They
3: were created equally, so
0: the sun and the moon initially were created equally. That's a good observation, a very good point. That if we look back in history, the sun and the moon were both two powerhouses. He familiar with the story? The the sun and the moon were both two powerhouses. And the the moon came complaining to Hashem and said, Hashem, you can't have two kings in one place. Hashem said, no problem. I'll make you the moon. He'll he'll be the sun.
1: We have to remember that he is writing with the science of the times, not from now. So if we view it from our standpoint, it may look peculiar, but at that time, it was the current uh,
0: knowledge. Let's see it inside. I I think I have an answer for the question. I think I have a, a valid answer. First, of all, let's see it inside. Chapter 19, page 78. Chapter 19, to elucidate still further. How can every Jew give up their soul for Hashem? Where does this amazing power come from? It is necessary to clarify the meaning of the verse. An amazing Pasok, an amazing verse. May Shemendel, you with me? May you're ready to get on fire? The candle of God is the soul of man. Hashem's candle is our soul. Your soul is on fire. Uh, uh, what does that mean? What does it mean? The near Hashem, Hashem's fire, the Hashem's candle is Nishma Saddam is our soul. What does that mean? It's poetic, it's beautiful. It sounds amazing, but what does it mean? What it means is that the souls of Jews who are called man are by way of illustration, like the flame of the candle. okay? Our soul is like a candle, like the flame of the candle, whose nature it is always to flicker upward. Listen to this. For the flame of the fire intrinsically seeks to be parted from the wick in order to unite with its source above in the universal element of fire which is in the sublunar sphere as is explained in Eitzchayim. Okay, clear. The fire, our soul is like a fire. Fire it always wants to separate from the wick naturally. Why does it want to separate from the wick? Because it wants to go to its source in the sublunar area, where the element, where the universal element of fire is. What does this mean? What does this mean? It loses its, its fire. It loses its um, flame. That's step two, very good point. But uh, just, just to quickly share, we know there's four elements, but what we're not so familiar with is that each element, if you see water, you're not seeing water. <clears throat> when you see water, you're not seeing the element of water, you're seeing water, fire, um, dirt, earth. and earth, water, fire, earth, and wind, and, and all together. Yeah. There is no item in this world that only has one element. When we're seeing the elements, at least we're seeing it in a minute way, even within water, we're not seeing pure water. In our world, we're seeing water the way it's combined with the other three elements also. Does science agree with this? I'm just curious. Well, they did in the 1500s. (laughs) So, either way, the Torah shares... No, no, this point, I'm asking... No, no, my, que- my question was, when we say today that there is water, does science believe that that is pure water, or does science today recognize that out the water we see has also within it the other four elements, the other three elements? Is that question clear? I'm just curious. How is it- What? How is
3: it with earth and... How does it have the other elements? I don't know. But that's what
0: you're saying, it's a statement. Yeah, I don't understand. Okay. Okay. Maybe further, we'll explain. No, no, this is not connected to Tanya. I'm sorry, actually, I just digressed. I'm just making an observation. In in Tanya, we're learning as follows. We're learning that there are four elements. Every single item in this world is made up of all four, including water in our world, including fire in our world, including earth and wind. Even these elements within our world are comprised of the other three. So you're saying in a, in a couple of water, water, there's earth meeting other minerals, and there's other gases of air, and there's heat in this water? Is that what you're asking? I don't know. Exactly. Well, I don't the know. answer is
1: yes, there is. The, uh, to some the water it. is H2O, unless it's air, which is but very rare. But there could be something diluted in it, right? You Perfect can add sugar to the water,
0: and if you add heat, it'll In dissolve. the right
1: city, it even has lead in it. If you have car- carbonated drinks, you can add No, there are minerals dissolved in almost all water. That's why when they talk about purified or distilled water, that's not the natural state of, of uh, nature. And it has oxygen dissolved in it and all kinds of other stuff. Um, I fall a little short on the fire thing, but the rest of it falls through.
0: So to go back, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add, you
1: can't live on that kind of water. You need to have all
0: the uh, extra stuff in it, the minerals and... Oh, that's a good point. So when we say that the universal, let's look at the wording, and that's really the answer. We're saying the universal element of fire. That's talking about the element of fire, the way it is still physical, you can't, the way it is spiritual, you can't see it. It's talking about fire without the other three elements within it. And that is next to the moon. So the fact, that the, the fact that the satellites have not caught it, we don't expect them to catch it. What's the first element of a flame that Yishai has? How are Yishai? Your soul is like a flame. What the first item that means is, that our soul is yearning to come back to Hashem just like fire wants to leave its wick, no matter what it is, our soul intrinsically wants to leave the body. Our soul would like to leave the body at any cost. That's the first detail. The second detail. Let's continue. And although it would thereby be extinguished and emit no light at all below, when the flame is going to go to its source, under the moon, it knows that it's not going to be a flame anymore. It's not going to give out any light anymore. It's useless. And even above in its source, its light will be nullified. When this flame goes back to its source, it's a nobody. Right? Remember, we always talk about the sun and we say, if you put a, a, a ray of light in the sun, that ray is nothing. So this flame, not only is it losing its existence down in this world by leaving, but it's also going to be a nobody above. And yet still, nevertheless, this is what it seeks in accordance with its nature. Listen. The soul, the fire, and we're not, we'll leave the soul momentarily, the fire wants to leave this world at any cost. It wants to go back to its source. So detail number one is fire wants to go back to its source. Detail number two is it wants to go back to its source even though it's losing everything about it. There's going to be nothing to it aside for being in its source.
1: Ruby, you've got to spend some more time on this because how is it nothing if in fact it realizes what it's supposed to all along, it's reunification with the Ein soap. So that's hardly nothing.
3: But well, the soul was created with a single purpose of living its life on earth. And the
1: world. See. With all due respect, I would debate that because that soul is it's
3: from our as yeah,
1: yeah. the extension of Hashem. So the fact that it reunifies with <laughs> Hashem is its <laughs> purpose. <laughs>
0: no,
1: that's it's, a good it's example. <conclusion>. But the purpose is, is the
0: time here on earth, and that's why we choose.
1: That's a good life. example. Uh, as far as so I know, good, no, good so point. So good point. I stand corrected.
3: You know, actually,
0: it's interesting. Mordechai gave a fascinating example. Take it. I don't give up easily. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Okay. Right. I think you're right. It's about a valid point. Okay, there was an example given. <clears throat> of when you make a cake and you put in different items, so to make that cake, everything has to be united as one. And if you taste any individual item, it's not gonna be the best cake. If the egg didn't, uh, didn't mix in perfectly, it's not gonna be a great cake. Now that is not what we're talking about here. It's a good example, because it actually shows you how, how much different it is. In, when you taste the cake, you know the items are there and if there's no eggs you're going to miss it although every item is mixed as one but each item is important when fire leaves this world if you're going to go back to the source of fire you're never going to find that little flame that was here not only because it's it's a bigger flame so to say but because that flame has no place it's just a part of something bigger does that make sense, Dr. Joseph? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. So we're going to... Let's conclude here. Let's summarize. This is very powerful. And just let's talk about fire. And all of you all of you, just think you're a fire. And next week we'll talk specifically about what it means to be a fire. But let's, let's summarize. We said there's a the power... Of Ein There's a power of Mesiros Nefesh. We all have the power to, to really say, I am giving my soul up for Hashem. And we shared a story, powerful story. Unfortunately, we've um, commemorated the sites not the Yartzai, actually the day of, unfortunately, the day that he was murdered of the Ger of Vilna. And we shared how that story. Where did that energy come from? Where did the energy come from throughout the Inquisition? The, the pogroms, crusades where did the energy come throughout history last chapter we learned it came from Chachma from the wisdom which Hashem is within but now we're learning even deeper that our flame, that our soul is a flame and we've concluded what is the defining factors for our conversation of a flame the flame wants to leave it's constantly yearning to leave the wick and it's yearning to leave the wick, though it's going to become a nothing. Though it's going to disappear from this earth, there'll be no trace of that flame on this earth anymore. And even when it goes to heaven, there's nothing pretty waiting for it. It's going to, be, it's also, it's going to also lose its entity there. Next week we'll learn how this applies, how we apply this back to our soul. Are there any questions? Yes. Ooh. So, well, What does that mean? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what it means. The question was, you know what, let me hear if anyone else can share. What does it mean that the flame loses its entity in heaven? Or when it leaves this world? What does that mean? What does it mean to you, that Maish Mendel? How do you understand it?
2: Scientifically, it runs out of oxygen at some point.
0: It becomes a nothing, Literally. But we're learning here that it doesn't leave only leave this world, but it goes back to its source. You see, we're learning that a flame has an afterlife also. A... Well that's what
2: I was going to ask you. So next week are we going to be discussing um,
0: our view of, of heaven and what it is? No. that's Not not in our current conversation. We'll get to it, but not, not in the current conversation. Mm-hmm. But I want, can anyone share with Basha, she's asked a, a question. The question is, what does it mean? that when the fire leaves this world, it doesn't even become anything in heaven. If it's going to its source, so what does it mean that it's nothing there? How do you understand that?
3: It's no longer experienced down here. It's no longer physical. Yeah, but,
0: the, but, the, but in heaven it's a something now.
1: It's part of something bigger up there. It's not, it's not separate. Here, down here it's separate.
0: So it has no entity in heaven?
1: Well, is that your question? That was your question. How does it not have any entity?
0: Let me just quote the words, actually. And maybe that will actually... Its light would be nullified. Even above in its source, its light would be nullified. Meaning that it's in its source, but it is nothing. Because it's in its source. Because it's in its source. So it's a whole... Different types does that make of existence sense? Without... Well, you have this massive source of fire, and this little flame is completely nullified within it.
3: But are we? Just, uh, I thought we're struggling to uh, the soul struggles at death to stay in this physical world. So how does that match the mm-hmm. soul?
0: Going back to Hashem. You're asking if the soul, how could we say we learn here that the soul wants to go back to heaven, and then at the same time we learn that uh, the soul wants to stay down here?
3: Right.
0: I, I don't know the answer, I just could share an observation. There's the fire also wants to go up, but it stays down here. And it wants to stay down here. It's, it's, when it's burning something, it's active here. The soul has a mission here. And just like fire it remains here, so long as it has a mission, the soul wants to stay here to fulfill its mission as long as it can. But at the same time, it still longs for its house, it so still longs for its source. So
2: there's right. a constant tension between...
0: Please.
1: We mix two concepts, and then to me, I can I think it becomes confusing. As we use the term light, we can't think of light in its physical sense. As we term fire, we can't think of fire in its literal sense. As we know it, we have to think of it in terms of the Ein Sof and the re the re the, re, the recombining of the souls which are present in the the spirit of the Ein Sof, and consequently, while we cease to exist as that fire at the same time, we we are recombined and recreated and will again come at the purpose of the Ein Sof in our godly souls. Our animal souls want to stay here. Our godly souls don't and we cannot think of them in the physical terms and try to go back and forth because it becomes a problem and uh, 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 conceptually almost impossible. So the idea of fire is something like the names we use for God, something we can grasp and understanding and explaining it, yet we cannot consider fire in its literal sense.
0: You're saying the soul is not like fire in the literal sense, is that what you're saying? Yes just remind me why not
1: because uh, our godly souls are the creation and the essence of the iron soul so how can we describe it in physical terms when we can't describe uh, hashem
0: correct correct good observation we're not saying that the soul is a fire we're saying the elements of fire the reason the soul is called fire is because it shares some similarities with fire.
1: And since we have the divine spark and the divine soul, we can't <coughs> describe it in physical terms. But we have to as people. So yes. we use physical terms for something which isn't physical.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. Um,
2: I think it's important to, to know that Judaism is against suicide. And, um, um, you know, if you're saying that, that the soul... You know, what it really like wants to do is escape from yeah, the body yeah, yeah. and be united with Hashem. You know, it almost seems like you're, like <laughs> you're advocating suicide, which Judaism doesn't do at all. Yeah, this this is it is, escape or is it? Well, we haven't gone to chapter 2 no. yet.
1: What? We haven't gone to no, the next chapter. But it's not our place to make that I mean, determination. Being closer to God, not to dawn. Well, it's not for our physical now. soul Spirit to Spirit determine, Spirit 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 determine Spirit Spirit. what happens Inactive to our godly God. soul in terms of when we right. we choose to reignite it. Or we, uh, I mean, we uh, combine
2: the ger- it. The Gerrit he he didn't... I mean, you know, I mean, he... He did what he did because he was persecuted. But he didn't seek to die just to be reunited for Hashem. I mean, it's, it
0: the, it, No, very very important point that... Uh, very, very good point are being brought up. Absolutely. We're not at all, God forbid, for one moment advocating suicide. But we are sharing that the godly soul, its desire, is to come close to Hashem. Now know that someone who commits suicide halakhically needs to be buried in a separate place and has no portion in the world to come. And for suicide in the Torah is one of the most tragic things. So a, a person's godly soul will never allow him to commit suicide. However, is there not a body of knowledge? That just one says, second, just one second. So Dr. Yosef, does that, that make sense to you? We are sharing that yes, the soul wants to connect with Hashem. The soul does not want to kill its body.
3: It's spiritual
0: race, right. There are stories, for example, where, where people have out of ecstasy left their their soul has left their body. There are such stories. Mm-hmm. That's not called suicide. No, no, no. That's called. Right. That's a good well, point. That's, that's a great
1: K- great Yom point. Yom Kippur, who was so taken that his soul left. Him. Right,
0: and that would be a story where the soul has left the body. But, um, but suicide is against the Torah. Well, is there not? That's, what, that's why I bring it up. And I appreciate you bringing it up. Because it almost sounds as... Okay. Thanks for that clarification. But is there not
1: a body of halachic uh, writings that says somebody who commits suicide is crazy, so therefore we don't, we don't regard it the same way?
0: Unfor- unfortunately, just once I've brought it up, I should clarify that unfortunately today... Um, yes, we do view most people, and, and unfortunately the, this is a reality, the, most people who do commit suicide, um, often it's out of depression, or it's out of mental health questions, and therefore um, we actually certainly have a lot of respect for them, and they're able to be buried appropriately, etc. But if someone who defiantly, the letter of the law, if someone would say I'm completely, if, we, if someone was completely sane, you know, et cetera, and there was no reason they're doing it and they say, I'm going to go ahead and um, kill myself. That's completely against the Torah and it's very severe.
1: Like a suicide... What? Bomber.
0: Maybe, maybe like a suicide bomber.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that's also murder. That's on top of everything. You're killing other people. But yeah, yeah. 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 You know, the Torah said You say? I didn't hear it. A suicide bomber. Oh. But just to talk about suicide, the Torah says the someone who kills himself and killing someone else is basically the equivalent. Just to be clear. There's no difference in the Torah between killing someone else and killing yourself. You're called a murderer if you kill yourself.
2: So shouldn't, shouldn't man seek to, I mean, uh, you know, unite with the divine, but stay on earth? Absolutely. Do his job on earth.
1: That's the whole point. I Absolutely.
0: We, we're going to learn about, that's called direct... We're only learning about one aspect of the soul right now. There's another part of the soul, which is the godly soul, which is the animalistic soul, which wants us to stay here. And the two two souls complement each other. The godly soul always wants to serve God. The animalistic soul wants to get involved in physical. And together, they complement each other. Someone had a question? Hmm? Well, fantastic questions. And Isha, any questions? Any thoughts?
3: Well, it
2: got me thinking about lead free wicks, though. It's like researching all the different Shabbat candles that are available. There's like lead free, it's like a lot of stuff in candle wax. I guess it's not necessarily the best thing environmentally, so. Hmm. Anyway
0: thank you everyone it's been a great evening remember that your soul is on fire your soul we have we have the wick here our our body is the wick and we need to remain in the wick we need to do our part don't
3: get
0: and that's our part in, <laughs> don't get burned and our part in this world is to constantly fulfill our mission here be doing Torah and Mitzvahs sharing the light with others
1: you also